This is the Total Tuscany Podcast, episode 89. Now, this is the Total Tuscany Podcast, but every once in a while, we like to venture outside of Tuscany, and that's because of Pat. Pat's uh, roots are in Sicily. Uh, you were in Sicily, uh, what, a year ago? A year ago, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you've made really good connections. So every once in a while, we venture outside of Tuscany, and we'll head down south to, to Sicily, and today's, today's no different. It, it's important. I'm, I'm learning it's important. All of our, all of our listeners... They don't want to just go to Tuscany. Everybody wants to see Rome. They want to see Venice. They want to see uh, Naples and the Amalfi Coast. It's great to see. Uh, we love Tuscany. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have the desire to go anywhere else anymore, right? I, I might, um, just because I, I think I've seen, I, Rome is fine to me. It's just big and it's dirty to me. Uh, even being Catholic, I don't, I don't really care if I set foot in, in, the, in the Vatican again. I just find peace when I'm in Tuscany. That's where I find peace. But you have found peace yourself in your homeland because you are an Italian. I shouldn't say that. You are a Sicilian because, as we're going to find out later on, the, the language is different and, and there, there, there's some differences between Italians and there, Sicilians. There are big differences, yeah. <laughs> and it's, but it's all about your comfort zone. And I, I've learned, it's, to me, it's important because I, I, found, I have found peace in Sicily. It's a really cool place. And um, exploring it, you know, it's a little unnerving getting out of your comfort zone. We know we know Tuscany very well. You know, we know the roads, we know the people. We have so many friends there. When you go to someplace new, it's a little unnerving, but it's a really cool place. And and I I was lucky enough to meet a really cool tour guide. Well, and, and think about the tour guys we have invited and in, introduced people who listen to this podcast to on this podcast, uh, Anna Maria Mandafri from Cool Tours, Linda Sorgiovanni, um, you know, and, and just I, I think we've built a trust with with our listeners in recommending really, really good people to reach out to to give you those authentic experiences when you travel. So we've got you covered for Tuscany, and now we have you covered for Sicily. We have you covered for Sicily in a big way. Yeah. And so uh, introduce us to today's guest, Pat. So today we're going to visit with Eleonora Formica. And Eleonora is uh, from Carlantini, Sicily. She's a tour guide. She's been a tour guide for almost 20 years. She speaks a lot of languages. She is a sommelier. She's part-time genealogist. She's, she knows a lot about a lot of different things. And especially if, you're, if you have roots in Sicily uh, and you're in America... She's the person to go to. I'm interested in, in you telling us how the relationship here with Eleonora started because uh, it goes back really to our podcast a, a couple times ago with with Mayor Gene Stothert from the city of Omaha. I mean, this is this everything's coming full circle on, on this podcast. It's like it's 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 just all coming together now. It is. It's it. It's very interesting how this happened. I was uh, I was told that Eleonora was the person to go to for tours in Sicily when I was taking a large group of my family. So I reached out and uh, she was just a wealth of information. She helped She helped do much more than give a tour. And uh, she gave 15 members of my family a tour of Sicily, a good part of Sicily, and uh, it's gone from there. She's, she's involved in so many things in our hometown of Omaha um, and now we found out she's a sommelier. So I, I want to go back to that, though, because uh, before we dive into the wine, because we've got as much time as we want. So, Pat, 
hires you as a guide, and this is before all the Sister City stuff, right? Before I knew anything. About yeah, so before before he knew anything about the Sister City stuff with the city of Omaha, Nebraska, and Carlentini in, in, in Sicily, did you know there was stuff going on with the, the, the Sister City Act with, with Omaha before you met Pat, Eleonora? Well, I was the one who started everything, actually, five years ago. Um, it has been years that a lot of people in Omaha, they tried to obtain the recognition of sister cities. I'm talking about our great friend, Mike DiGiacomo, and all the guys of the devotee over here, devotee of Santa Lucia and Santa Lucia committee. But I don't know why in the past they didn't go through. And five years, five years ago was 2017, I was leading a tour and one of my guests told me, I come from Omaha and uh, I have Carlentine's origins like you, because I introduced myself. I said, good morning. My name is Eleanor. I come from Carlentine. I'm not from here. That's what I, what I say when I meet a, a group. And that day he gave me this news because I had no idea about this huge relationship. And he told me about 70% of the Italian community in Omaha that are Carlentinesi and Lentinesi descendants, talking about 80,000 people more or less. And I knew nothing. So at that point, uh, I, I had like uh, the big drawing was completed because I grew up with the legend of my great grandfather who emigrated and going to the United States. And for my entire life, I've never asked where he went. So that day I talked to my father and I said, dad, can you remind me where Nono went, Nono Chicho went when he moved to the United States? And my father said, Omaha, Nebraska. I said, this is not a, a coincidence, that's a sign. <laughs> so I promised and then I said, I'll do my best. I will never stop till we will get this recognition to be sister cities. So true story, I'm at a fundraiser last night and I, I just happened to put my, my heavy appetizer plate down uh, at, at a cocktail table. There's an older gentleman <laughs> with, his, with his daughter and his last name is Bruno. And I go, hey, um, it, 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 small world, we made an Iowa connection because I'm from Iowa. They grew up about, I would say, 30 minutes from me. Oh. Same high school. I mean, our high schools played against each other. And I said, Bruno, you know, where are you from? Because I'm, well, I'm from South Omaha. I go, I go, but where, where, you know, where's the, uh, where's the origin? He goes, oh, Carlentini. I said, small story. Uh, here we're starting. I go, this is just really weird that I've made this connection on a night that I'm at a fundraiser the day before we're recording a podcast where I'm talking to you about Carlentini and, and the connections that you've made with Pat and Pat meets you before you even know that this thing is coming together. I had no idea. The, it's a small, small, it shows you how far apart we are. The world is really, really small. Isn't it's it? a small word. Yeah. Actually it was Rose. Pat's mom who found me because she was on Facebook and all the time That's and right. she saw me having my you know during the COVID we had the habits to go live on Facebook to let people getting involved and participating in what we were doing because we couldn't travel so Rose was uh, one of my fans I don't know if I can talk about fans she was following me a lot on Facebook and she said hey 
my son is organizing a tour for the family. You have to talk with him. And that's the connection. So, yeah, she's great. So does the name <laughs> well, Bruno does the name Bruno sound familiar over in Carlentini? Are there a lot of Brunos over there? Of course we have. Uh, we have um, a lot of Brunos in Carlentini, yeah. Uh, I think uh, a lot of our uh, friends are related with Brunos in Carlentini. Um, I, I can tell you how many families we have, but uh, I need a couple of uh, No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I was just curious. I didn't know I didn't know if the name Bruno yeah. was kind of like the name Miller in the United States, right? I mean, just very, very mm. common. I just don't know what a common name was. But uh, so so you guys form this relationship and then the, the sister city stuff happens and you've been to the United States. You've been to you've made the trek to to Omaha uh, a couple different times, right? Yeah, last July we when we were Thanks to Sicula Italia Foundation, we were able to uh, participate to Santa Lucia Festival with an, an official delegation. So from Carlentini, our mayor, his wife, and uh, an assistant, and myself, we came uh, to Omaha uh, in a formal way, and we had a, a lot of interesting meetings. We went to the Chamber of Commerce. We went to, to Mayor Sauter's uh, room visiting uh, um the the main uh, um the main CDO and uh, the the highlights of uh, Omaha uh the Lawrence Garden we went to the zoo uh, was beautiful and then obviously the Santa Lucia festival so it has been the first time that a mayor from Carlentini has officially visited Omaha in 130 years and the same mayor Stoddard came in August last August uh, with her husband Kevin, as we call him, Kevino, <laughs> in Italian way, um, he likes it, um, and 120 um, delegates. So uh, we're groups coming. Uh, we had a, a big tour of Sicily, almost two weeks, with uh, two buses uh, from Palermo and then all the way around. And then there were other families coming. I called them the satellites, let's say. So totally 120 Americans in Carlentini all together. Mayor looked at me and he said, what have you done? Look at you. <laughs> and we inaugurated a park. So now in Carlentini, there is a park, Omaha. That is a beautiful park facing the volcano and the ocean. The Mediterranean Sea is a nice side of the city of Carlentini. It's very, it's beautiful. And when you get there, you can see Park Omaha. So I'm so proud uh, about Mayor Steffio. He did a lot. And the connections are growing. You're coming back to Omaha again this year, correct? Yeah. Yes, exactly. I promise that I will be, I will try to do my best to come minimum once a year. So Santa Lucia Festival is an important connection. And uh, next year we will have the 100 years, uh, the anniversary of the 100 years. Uh, so it's important to keep those tight alive and uh, let them growing and being stronger. So this podcast has always been about Tuscany. I mean, we, we've ventured off a little bit, but uh, I'm curious. Uh, I, I just got uh, another shipment of, uh, of Tuscan wine in. I want to know. Uh, mm -hmm. Because Pat mentioned your sommelier, we'll we'll, we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. But I want to know the difference. What's the difference between a, a, a good Tuscan wine, whether that's a Brunello, De Montalcino, whether that's a Super Tuscan, mm -hmm. whether that's a Chianti, and the wine in, sure. in Sicily? Is it, what's the biggest difference that, that that people would understand about the regions? Mm. 
So in Tuscany, the king obviously is the Sangiovese, yep. and Sangiovese is a tannic wine. It comes to the flower, then the fruits, and then all the strong structure. In Sicily, uh, we uh, have uh, strong wines in the Etna area. And in the past, uh, those uh, wines were considered that strong that they, they, they were used to cut the weak wines of the north of Veneto and uh, uh, mostly from Veneto. So our farmers, uh, they, they weren't able to let the public appreciate it the way it was. So they tried to make it weaker. But our tastes, they have changed. So finally, Sicilian wine nowadays is appreciated for what it is. That is a volcanic, uh, tannic, strong wine if we are on the Etna area. And then we go to them, obviously, um, smooth, smoothier and the softer area of the south where we have mostly white, like... Uh, um, like Moscato d'Alessandria in Noto area, we can have a dry version as well. It's not just a sweet wine. And obviously, it has been since the beginning of the 1800s that our main, uh, uh, most famous wine of the island is always the Marsala, that has always been considered a liquorous wine. So you don't have a meal led with a Marsala. Usually, you drink it at the end or it was used to cook. So Sicily, I always say that is an island made by a lot of little islands. And it's so different from one village to another. And the wine corresponds to this uh, soul of the island. So we have a lot of sweet wines and uh, red wines, white wines, uh, any taste, let's say. Uh, and finally, nowadays, our wines, they are starting to be appreciated as they are without to be um, contaminated or mixed with something else. That's, but now, it took time. How did you, how did you get into being a sommelier? Where did, how did that come about? Um, when I started becoming, when I became a tour guide in the 2004, at that time, um, I started getting more familiar with the world of restaurants because I used to eat with my guests and then having dinners and organizing wine tasting, mostly in the Marsala area. And it was the funniest moment of the tour, I have to say. So I really had fun during the wine tasting. And one day, one of my guests asked me, Eleonora, tonight I'm going to have meat. Which kind of wine should I choose with, a, with, a, with a, this kind of meat? And I didn't know what to answer. So at that moment, I said, I have to study. Because in Sicily, a tour guide must be aware about wine, about uh, um, volcanology, about uh, um, mythology, about uh, architecture and archaeology. We have too many topics. Obviously, every tour guide at one point gets specialized on things that they loved mostly. And seeing that I loved wine that much, I said, I have to start and study. So when I finally uh, had time, because it takes time, um, I started my sommelier course. It took three years and usually it was like a four hour lessons per week and for six months a year. And um, it's a lot of studies and a lot of wine pairings. And finally, 
at the third level because the first level is the first year, second level, second year, it's easy. Um, at the third level, uh, I get involved and, and uh, I studied the wine and food pairing. That's the most fascinating part for me. Uh, that, that's incredible. So do, do you just do, uh, when it comes to becoming a sommelier, how many different variety of wines? Do you just do the Sicilian region? Do you do French? Do you do, I mean, do you do Californian? I mean, what, what, is that, what does that look like uh, from, from a pairing and understanding different varietals? Okay, so the first level, the first year, you get into the topic. So we study how we make wine. So we have enologists, agronomists coming and talking about wine, what happened in the fields, what happened in, in the winery, in the, in the barrels and everything, the chemical stuff, let's say. That's the most complicated part. And then the first year we focused on Sicily uh, a lot and Italy a lot. And then from the second year on, we start studying the word. Obviously, uh, it's, a, it's a huge topic. Even if I have to say the first year we had some lessons focused on, um, on uh, beers, liquors, spirits in general, because the sommelier is not the person who advises you just the kind of wine you should choose, but any type of drink. We can go from coffee, tea, infusions, uh, no alcoholic drinks, and then obviously all the spirits world with cocktails. So you understand it's a huge, gigantic field. And everybody gets specialized on things that at one point uh, you like the most. I like bubbles, for example. You like bubbles. <laughs> I, so, so you like the Moscato, you like the champagne. Yeah, I do. <laughs> That's great. That is the most complicated one, actually. I, I can I can imagine that, and I and I'm I'm like anti bubbles. I I, I don't I, I don't like the uh, I don't like the I, I like uh, fizzy water. I like uh, mineral water, but I don't like mm -hmm. I don't like champagne. I don't like moscato or a or a prosecco. I I'm just kind of a straight uh, red wine guy. Or if I do mm -hmm. if I do an Italian white, I usually do a vernaccia. Uh, from from right around San Gimignano is is where uh, where I'll so do the whites. So without knowing you, let's say that if you ask me, Eleanor, which kind of wine do you suggest me tonight? Yeah. I will tell you a Pinot Noir. Okay, that's fair. I, I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You know, I'll do a Bordeaux every once in a while, but you got to do a Bordeaux with dinner. Mm -hmm. I mean, you cannot drink Bordeaux as just sitting down and having a glass of wine. It's way too even a Chianti Classico is way too heavy just to have without food, yeah. right? And, yeah, and yeah. that's, I think that you bring up a good point. I, I, and one thing I've learned, I think everybody's palate becomes more sophisticated the more you drink. I, I really do. I think you, you start realizing, oh, I need to have this with food and I don't need to have this with food. What's the, do you like pairing red meats? Do you like pairing seafood, uh -huh. uh, uh, cheese and, and little aperitivo? What, what do you like to pair wine with? Okay, so it depends. Uh, bubbles for me, they go very well with uh, seafood and cheeses. Okay. However, in Sicily, we have so many types of cheeses and you can even add a little marmalade such as onion marmalade or the queen's apple marmalade or honey on the top. And then we open another topic, which kind of honey? Chestnut, thyme honey, orange blossom honey, everything has a different, uh, let's say, flavor. 
Uh, red wines, usually they are the ones that are considered with uh, uh, heavier meat or, or let's say more complicated dishes. So usually you should uh, go as a climax, starting from the simplest, going to the more complicated dishes and and wines as well. So if you have to to organize a vertical, let's say you always start from the white and then you put maybe a red that is a young one and then you will complete with the old more structure and then the the sweet wine at the end. There is a philosophy behind all the time, but there is a myth that I would like to kill that as we say in Italian, uh, people, they think that usually the best wine is the most expensive one. I had fun doing those kind of things. There is a, there is a grape in Sicily that I love that is called the Frappato. It's my favorite wine that is not far from the Pinot Noir. You can drink it cold as an appetizer. You can keep it warm, uh, ambient temperature and uh, use it with a uh, a main dish of spaghetti, of of uh, of, uh, of fish and and meat is a very flexible wine, and uh, sometimes with my friends I take three bottles: one that is very cheap, like two euros and a half; one that is half price, like a fifteen twenty euros; and another one more expensive, like fifty euros. And I go like, okay, which one do you like the most? Seventy percent of them two euros and a half. So I said, <laughs> you see, when you choose a bottle, it's not exactly how much it costs that says uh, the quality of the wine that you have inside. It's very personal. Everybody has his own taste. You know, it, you're right. Uh, I think sometimes, let's use the Super Tuscans as an example. Uh, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's a blend, right? But you put the word mm -hmm. super on it and you charge something like 80 euro and it becomes a status symbol, right? It's like, oh, uh, I've paid so much money for it. But you brought something up, something I've never done, and maybe I should. So uh, Americans, we just, you know, our courses are a salad, soup, and then the main dish. And mm -hmm. then we'll have dessert. Mm -hmm. A lot more mm -hmm. courses in Italy. Is it common to start with the bubbly, go to a white, change the wine with each course that you have? Is that, is that, is that common practice? Yes. Yes, that's what we do. So that's another myth to be killed, that if you drink the same, I mean, if you start with a, a type of wine, you have to keep going with the same. Uh, no, you can you can start with a glass of white and then you go a little bit higher and then the sweet wine at the end. So you can mix, obviously not that much, because every dish requires a different wine. It's in, it's interesting because I seem to get stuck with the same wine. I'm with you. I'm always buying the same wine. I, I don't get very adventurous. And that would be a great way to, to kind of branch out. What I just heard Pat saying is, Eleanor, is that he's boring. <laughs> is, is what he did. He just said he's boring. Yes, boring wine. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like uh, he, he has his own comfort zone. So he doesn't want, I mean, wine is a, when you have your glass of wine, you, you want to know what to expect because you're tired, is your moment. So you don't want to have surprises. So I understand. No, what it really is, is Pat's <laughs> lack of vulnerability. Oh, here we go again. Say, <laughs> so he's not vulnerable when it comes to his wine choices, oh. is, what I, is what I hear him he's saying. playing right on <laughs> Can we talk about a local business in this podcast? Can I make a suggestion? Yes, sure. 
Yeah, so in uh, La Bodega, I found uh, interesting wines. And there is one of my favorite uh, winery in Sicily, that is Arianna Occhipinti. They were Stanley Tucci went during the episode searching for Sicily. And La Bodega in the old market has a couple of bottles of Occhipinti that are worthy. So next time, Pat, if you want to get out from your comfort zone, <laughs> you go to La Bodega and ask for a frappato from Sicily or perfect, from perfect. the Arianna Occhipinti. Perfect. We'll get we'll get Travis over there and we'll we'll sample and we'll be less we'll be more vulnerable. Yeah. I, I'm as vulnerable as they come. I mean, you, you won't find anybody more vulnerable to than me. Hey, um, you, you know, you mentioned the tour guides, uh, and, and you are a tour guide. Do you do you stay specifically just in Sicily? Do you venture out to to the mainland at all? What what what, what is your reach when it comes to to, to giving tours? Okay, so uh, trying to make a long story short. No, you can <laughs> go long. Beginning. We have all the yeah. time in the world. <laughs> At the beginning, in the, in the 2004, when I became a tour guide, I had big groups, Italian, French, and English, all together, 50 people. That the, was the maximum amount of people that we can stuck in a bus. I didn't know their names, and uh, I didn't have time to say, a look on the right, regardez à droite, guardate à destra, that whatever I was pointing was gone. So, because I had to speak three languages so simultaneously. Um, at the time, people, they didn't trust to travel on their own in Sicily because there was mafia. <laughs> they were afraid to be killed. So the I mean, It's a good organized... reason not to travel by yourself. Yeah. yeah, that's a good reason to get to be alive till the end of your, of your, of your trip. Um, so at that time, uh, there was this kind of tourism, a large tourism, big hotels, uh, meals that were homologated, like everybody was eating the same thing every time, all the time. Uh, so we were far away from the tourism that we have nowadays. So at that point, I said, hmm, I don't like this kind of experiences. I should go to the continent, as we say in Sicily, Italy. So I started having tours from Rome and then uh, the uh, Napoli area, the Salerno area, and uh, uh, Sorrento, Amalfi, and then the islands uh, around the Sicily. And when I understood, okay, this is now. Oh, I know everything about here, this, this area. Let's move to New York. So I became tour guide in New York for Italians and French. And then I came back again in Sicily. And now I mostly, I get specialized on tourism of routes. So people having a Sicilian origins coming back to their homeland, discovering their roots, and that's the best quality ever. We have a one-to-one -one relationship. We talk a lot before they come. I can give them tips. I help them to find their hotel, what is worth it to see. We create a customer tour, a tailor-made tour. So this is what makes me happy now. Yeah. You know, besides, we know there's a, a huge group of um, people from Omaha, from Carlentini, and 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 Sicily. I mean, uh, my boss is from Palermo, I believe. Uh, uh -huh. What other areas in the United States were did a lot of Sicilians end up? I, I'm assuming New York, uh, New Orleans. I know New Orleans. New Orleans, really? Yeah. So we have a lot of Italian communities in the United States, and then uh, I I 
let's say I copy the system that I have. So in this moment, I am studying an itinerary for Omaha. So if I have to go, if I have to lead a group for the first time in a new place, I always use internet first and then I go my own myself and then I study the tour and then I write everything and then I lead the people. So I have my method because everybody was for the first time somewhere. So there is always a first time in Rome, first time in Florence, first time in Naples, as I did in the past, I still used to do it um, again and again. And going back to your question, in the United States, we have a big communities in New Orleans, in Louis, there is a, the 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 hill that's an important oh, I've been to the hill. in Sacramento, Sacramento, Brooklyn, and obviously New York area is for Connecticut, and it depends on uh, the. It seems that there is a, like a destiny. Someone left for first, and then all the other people they followed, and then one village is different from another. So my um, my family has a origins as well from the west coast uh, agrigento area uh, some of them and for example over there everybody left to move into canada montreal so it depends from where they came from in italy so that's why i'm attending now i'm studying i'm i'm attending a master about the tourism of roots and the, we are working on we we are doing some researches to write a book to give numbers so to understand who went where when and why so you, you mentioned uh, all the tours you've given and, and speaking different languages how many different languages do you speak sicilian this is not italian so it's my mother language i understand that it, that it goes deeper when i sing for example if i sing a, a song in dialect it goes straight to, to my feelings and emotions. So it's the language that I grew up with. Italian, obviously, English, French, German, a little bit of Spanish. Wow. Wow. That, that's awesome. So if, if people want to use you as a guide, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Do you have a website? Do you have a Facebook page? How, how do people get a hold of you so they can reach out and say, you know what, I want to do, I want to do Sicily? Especially, they may be in Tuscany, they may be in Rome. Say, so let's let's go down to the island. How do they get a hold of you? I'm a boomer, so old style, <laughs> word of mouth. <laughs> you are not a boomer, by the way. <laughs> I feel like I am. So I don't have a website, at least not yet. Um, I have a Facebook page. I have my Instagram page. I'm not so active with social because I really like to talk with people. Um, so usually it's word of mouth, yeah. And you would you would give these routes or origin tours not just in Sicily, right? You would you would venture out into Naples and Sorrento and the Amalfi. I can do that. However, I'm creating a network to delegate because you know what happened at path that when you are from that place um, with the tourism of route, it's always better to have a local because. Crossing the street, uh, they can ask you something that uh, you know just because you are you you grow up there, um, or people in the village they can recognize recognize. It's like when we were looking for your grandma's house. I'm from Carlentini. I used to knock the door and say, "Hey, I'm the niece of this person." Then they were like, "Oh yeah, I know you. So come inside. I will tell you what you need." 
if I will be a stranger, if I will go to Nabo, they will understand that I speak another dialect. That they maybe they won't trust, or maybe I won't be aware about what my guests are looking for. So it's always I prefer to delegate and ask to a tour guide in Nepal who is Napolitan, who knows exactly what happened, because you have the story in your body, in your DNA, and sometimes uh, it counts from where you come from and your parents and your grandparents, because maybe they know you because you're the grandchild of that person and everything is part of a drawing. So I don't do that. I delegate. It's the same for Palermo and other places in Sicily. Has your email box blown up? Has your phone blowing up really since Ancestry.com, 23andMe, um, even PBS here in, in the United States does a, an, an ancestry show with famous people. Ever since people have been able to easily track now where they came from, it, it, it has business picked up. Well, I dedicate uh, like two hours per day to people who are planning to come. I can tell you that uh, last year I organized four families. One of them was a Pat family. This year is is February and I have 10 families coming and along the year they will be so it's going like a 70% more year after year so at one point I think that I will um, I will slow down with with my tour guide uh, large tours uh, job and I will focus on this part that is um, that is very interesting yeah do you find yourself being a tour guide part time and a genealogist part time? Do people do people like, hey, I, I need to find family when I'm here? Do they do they rely on you, or do you, do, you, do you point them in some place to go when it comes to that genealogy and finding those family roots? Um, I do both, and there where I can't, I delegate. So I help with the with the certified translations, finding the documents, and then with the, the sister city program, we have like forty projects, including elementary schools exchange, middle school exchange, high schools exchange, and the universities and e-commerce and the, the trip to come there. So um, I'm a very organized person. And luckily, my large tour guide job is just in the morning from 9 till 11.30, more or less. So it gives me the possibility to have, to have the entire afternoon for free that I can use to follow all of those projects and all of those people asking me to come and making researches. And when I can't, I delegate to my sister and other friends. Now, the importance of social. Last year, when we knew that 120 people were coming in Carlentini and that Mostly of them, they were aware about their families because we worked almost a year to find their relatives and with the genealogical researches. And I have to thank Nick Cimino for that. He's a, a great pillar of whatever we're doing because he's our genealogist, the, the responsible. And the, the genealogical team is great. Every week we, we gather and we help people for free. And I think it's the only in the world because I asked somewhere else and they said we don't do that because you have to pay for that no we do it for free and people are happy to join us and and they want to come and they're willing to come back again so thanks to that when they came last year they they needed um, interpreters because they were coming to visit the families and uh, 
our mayor was so smart. He said, you know what? Let's make a big post on Facebook saying we're looking for people speaking English. And the 40 people showed up. Wow. So now we have a chat with 40 people in Corlentini able to speak English. Now I'm not in Corlentini, I'm in Corleone and I'm helping Corleone to become a sister city with a little city called uh, Little Rock in Arkansas. I'm trying to teach them how to do. I wouldn't say it's a so, little city, but that's <laughs> it's, oh, it's bigger it's than Omaha. City? It's a big city. Oh, Margie will kill me tomorrow. I will meet Margie. So Cut to this part. Big city. Why did they call it the Little Rock and not Big Rock? <laughs> oh, that's great. That, that is so anyway, if if there was someone around, I had just to go on WhatsApp and say, "Hey, there is this American person in the square. Some of you, can you go there and uh, and give them assistance?" And they they run. So what's, it's amazing. What's the so if somebody if a family from Omaha or St. Louis or New Orleans wants to connect with you and, and, and get to their roots in Sicily or wherever, and you, you assign them colleagues, what's the ideal group size or family size that they should consider? 15 people. So they can rent the three cars, maximum 15 people, or they can rent a little bus and, uh, and travel all together. Mm -hmm. But usually our, our family is smaller than this. Um, between 10 and 15 people or sometimes just four people or sometimes it's just a couple it depends yeah excellent stuff eleonora i i'm glad pat made the introduction uh for, for us to, to to meet uh when, when you visit uh, the states again i i hope i get a to dine with you and, and drink uh that wine you recommended and uh the frappato the frappato yeah. excellent Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us on the Total Tuscany podcast. Uh, we might have to rename this the Total Sicily. We podcast. might have to do another one. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, with pleasure. Excellent. Thank you so much. Until we uh, until we talk and meet again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Pat. Bye. Ciao. We only have one correction from the podcast, and that's because it was a language barrier, right? It was. Uh, it, it's where it. It's only going to matter to maybe a a handful of people who are listening in, in, in Omaha, Nebraska, and that was the place to purchase the wine. Yes, Eleanor's wine can be purchased in Omaha, we know of, at La Bouvette. La, right? La Bouvette, which is a French place. Yeah. But uh, and, and by the way, if you are listening from anywhere around the United States, anywhere around the world, if you come to Omaha, Nebraska, and you like wine, La Bouvette is the place to go. It is. It, 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 is, it is the coolest place uh, it will remind you of Europe when you when you go in there. Just very for, small, yeah, very, very small. small brick uh, in an old part of town. Uh, but yeah, it, it's amazing how the more we do this podcast, the more the reach expands, uh, even from different regions of Italy. Just the connections we've made, and I think it's bizarre that I met somebody from Carlentini. Uh, at a fundraiser the night before, you plan a trip to Carlentini for your family, not knowing that the behind-the-scenes stuff that had already been taking place between where you live on a on a daily basis and, and and Eleonora. I had no idea, and I didn't get into this, but literally the first person I spoke to individually in Sicily mentioned this person Eleonora's name and somebody from Omaha. No idea, and they didn't speak English. 
Wow, that is absolutely crazy, and, and that's that's why we believe there's no such thing as a coincidence, no. and the world really, really is small, and that's why we encourage you to travel, whether it's Italy, whether it's France, Germany, the UK. I'm actually going to Ireland uh, next month as my daughter is, is studying uh, um, uh, over uh, overseas for a study abroad. So who knows? I we may have to start the uh, the the total. Um, the Total Ireland podcast. I, I, I might find a new place that I want to visit. But uh, no, it's just fun to tell stories. And of course, it's always fun to make those connections. Speaking of connecting, make sure to follow Total Tuscany on all the social media channels. You can like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter. Just search Total Tuscany. And if you know somebody who's getting ready to take a trip to Italy, to Tuscany, make sure to share this podcast with friends and even family because there's lots and lots of good stories to share. For Mr. Pat Capania, I'm Travis Justice. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Total Tuscany, or in this case, Total Sicily Podcast. (laughs) 